Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish is upset. Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Championship for Notre Dame! Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game! The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTRadio.com. The free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. In about 24 hours, that will be true. But you still got me for one more day. I'm Jim Rosary. Darren's back tomorrow. Hopefully not yielding the usual cough and cold that he usually yields. Fingers crossed. There are days where I come in here and I half expect the microphone to just be drippy. So he can infest it all he wants again tomorrow. Um, baseball talk. Hot stove action going on. Winter meetings. They kicked off today, so... For the next uh, next few days, going to be hearing a lot of baseball talk, which uh, is fine with me. That, you know, with this being December and all, and I'm looking outside, and it's you know already almost pitch black outside. I need a little baseball talk. Just oh man, <laughs> not and and I get it. Like it's only going to be pitch black. You know, right net. You know, at this time of day. For like another two weeks. Then it starts, you know, the days start getting longer again. But it's just like, oh, man. I'm very, I'm, I'm very much a sunlight guy. That's just the way I am. Why, why I decided to live here, I have no idea. Um, anyway, so welcome in. It's Monday. Uh, this is Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Of course, brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. By the way, celebrating their 90th anniversary today is the United Beverage Company. 90 damn years. That's that's uh, a lot of years of doing something pretty darn correctly, you know? 
So congratulations to uh, to the folks at United Beverage Company of South Bend. Weekday Sports Beat also brought to you by Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing. Contact Joel Ladig in Mishawaka or John Shaver in South Bend. Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance, this holiday season. Protect your family for those unexpected life moments. Call Tim at 232-9981. And Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. Uh, 525, so next segment, about 15 minutes from now. I'm going to be di- uh, joined by uh, Tyler Horka from Blue and Gold Illustrated at blueandgold.com. I'm going to talk. Uh, initially, we were going to talk about college football playoff expansion. And then, you know, a couple guys decided to just enter the transfer portal. So I'm sure we'll get to that, too. Uh, so that's uh, that's coming up, uh, like I said, about 15 minutes from now. So stick around for that. Uh, the uh, the world's worst uh, World Cup update. Probably the, the last edition ever of it. That's coming up too. And uh, hmm. which which do I talk about? Do I go right into the go right into the hot stove? Nah, nah. We want to talk bowl game, don't we? Yeah, let's talk bowl game. Let's talk bowl game. Of course, that bowl game, uh, the exact bowl game that everybody thought it was going to be against an opponent that uh, a lot of people thought it was going to be, too. So, prognosticators at least got one of those two right. Notre Dame going to be uh, taking on South Carolina in the uh, the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. That is the only time that you'll hear me... Uh, you know, do the, uh, the the title sponsor for a bowl game this whole bowl season. This is that was it, and it was strictly to make fun of it, just like that. Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. Anyway, Friday, December thirtieth, kickoff at three thirty. Uh, all the usual uh, pregame festivities, of course, we will have that day on uh, on, on Friday, uh, December 30th. And then, uh, yeah, college football playoff, we'll have that uh, on the air. The semifinal games, they try to swing, uh, swing something to get, you know, get something to air, you know, like the, you know, oh, I don't know, LSU losing to Purdue in the Citrus Bowl on, on the 2nd of January. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? I'd think it's awesome. Uh, Anyway, top four. uh, Georgia, Michigan, TCU, Ohio State, in case you have been living under a rock. uh, Those are your four teams in the the college football playoff. Um, they, They shocked me, actually. The playoff committee shocked me. All through, God, how many... How many different bowl games was it? Or how many different conference championship games was it? Uh, Nick Saban was making the rounds during a lot of halftime shows. I know that he showed up uh, uh, halftime of the SEC championship game. I'm pretty sure, pretty sure I saw him uh, halftime on the Big Ten championship game. I could be wrong on that. I, I, I'm 
I was kind of in and out of the room at halftime during the Big Ten championship game. But uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure he hit that one, and I think he hit the Big 12 game as well. He was campaigning hard this weekend for Alabama to make the, the playoff. Campaigning hard. Like, I've... There are politicians that I've seen do less campaigning than Nick Saban did on Saturday during the uh, the conference championship games. Some, like, you couldn't escape him. And then, of course, you see him every other commercial in those Aflac commercials. It's like, he's not in any of the games, and he's the face that I remember the most from conference championship weekend. The hell, man? But the playoff committee held them out. They, they, they just stuck their fingers in their ears, and they shut their eyes, and they put on a blindfold, and they said, la, 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 Alabama, la, la, la. We're not listening. We're not listening. Which is fine. It's fine. I am all for a Georgia, Michigan, TCU, Ohio State. Like, it's just different, man. There's no Alabama or Clemson. I don't have to deal with Dabo Sweeney at all. That's incredible. That's awesome. I was I was certain they were gonna I was certain they were gonna throw in Alabama though. I was certain of it. Especially after USC lost. Did I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about this a little bit, you know, in in the sports betting segment coming up towards the end of the show. But I know that I'm not the only one who lost that bet. All right, I had USC straight up, you know, straight up money line winning that game, and yet I was still pretty damn happy that they lost. <laughs> I don't care that I just lost a couple of bucks. USC lost. Good enough for me. They uh, they get the Cotton Bowl instead against number sixteen Tulane. Yeah, the Green Wave making their first New Year's Six bowl game since the nineteen forty Sugar Bowl. I remember people, you know, talking about how how long it had been since uh, since Notre Dame had been in like a New Year's Six bowl or you know like. Bef- you know, before they went two out of the previous three, you know, the last three years. Um, that, uh, I-, I couldn't even imagine that. <laughs> first <laughs> first New Year's Six Bowl since 1940. Jesus. Uh, Tennessee also out. Clemson uh, gets them in the Orange Bowl. So, you know, those are... Pretty much the uh, the New Year's Six Bowls, uh, the uh, the Buckeyes, Ohio State number four facing number one Georgia in the in the Peach Bowl. Michigan will face TCU in the Fiesta Bowl, and then of course the uh, the national championship game, uh, January 9th in Los Angeles at uh, at SoFi Stadium. So I like ser- like ser- I'm still in shock about it. I'm still in shock that Alabama didn't weasel their way in. 
I'm still shocked that Alabama didn't sway, you know, Nick Saban didn't sway the committee in any way. I mean, TCU, they lost in overtime in the Big 12 championship game. But I'm I'm fine with that. I'm fine with the Horned Frogs. I'm fine with Hypnotoad. I'm fine seeing Hypnotoad, you know, and, and, and features about Hypnotoad, quite honestly, for the next month. Fine with it. Bring it on. I, I, I am happy about it. Do, do we all need to repay something? Do we, do we all need to, uh, you know, kind of, like, give penance or something for this? Like, do we have to make, like, double the, deno- the you know, donation at church, you know, in the collection plate? Is that what we got to do? I mean, I'll, I'll, cut, I'll cut the larger check. That's fine. Hi to the Twitch audience, by the way. Twitch.tv slash Sports Radio 960 WSBT. That is where you can find our Twitch stream. Of course, always streaming WSBTradio.com and on the uh, WSBT radio app. Coming up after, uh, after this quick word, Tyler Horka from Blue and Gold Illustrated at blueandgold.com. Going to talk all things Notre Dame, transfer portal, uh, college football playoff, you know, the Gator Bowl, all that stuff. All of it. We're covering it all. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Brought to you in part by Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business, also by South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. Jim Irizarry in for Darren once again. He'll be back tomorrow. Typically talks with uh, with Tyler Horka on Monday. Guess what? I'm doing it this week. <laughs> Evil laugh. Tyler joins me right now from, uh, from blueandgold.com. Tyler, how are you, bud? I'm good. Uh... Trying to stay warm in this South Bend winter. It's only my second one of these, so it's um, it's hitting hard. Even though today's not even that cold, right? Yeah, well, you know, I think it was colder during the Boston College game, even, and uh, and and yeah, it's still it still just affects my mood quite a lot. Just looking out the window and seeing it just pitch black outside mm-hmm. already. Ugh, the yep. worst. The worst. Um, <laughs> so we've got the Gator Bowl. So are you going to the game at all? I will be there. Yep, you are. Be there. You are going. So you're going to get your dose of sunshine, you know, at the end of the yes. month. So, absolutely, bully for you. Now I get to sit through this interview, grinding my teeth in jealousy. Um, <laughs> Notre Dame taking on South Carolina. Tyler Buckner practicing. He's available for the uh, for the Gator Bowl. He's starting. Uh, obviously, uh, kind of no other choice really. Uh, after Drew Pine entered the transfer portal, was that always going to be the plan? Though, if uh, if Tyler Buckner was medically cleared, he was going to start the Gator Bowl. I, I guess. I, I mean, if Drew Pine was here, I really can't imagine a world where they wouldn't just give him his eleventh start in a row. He right. was eight and two as a starter, 
started 10 games in a row, obviously, and you want Tyler Buckner to be at full health at some point, and logic tells you, hey, if he doesn't play in this bowl game, it really doesn't mean a whole lot anyway. You'd like to win it, but you could probably win it with Drew Pine, right? And I think if Pine did not enter the transfer portal, maybe the Notre Dame coaching staff would have leaned to starting him. And you heard Marcus Freeman yesterday in his press conference Sunday night, the Gator Bowl press conference, say he didn't want Drew Pine to leave. So that right there tells me he would have at least been an option for the December 30th game against South Carolina. But now, I mean, you don't even really entertain that hypothetical because you are left with Tyler Buckner and Steve Angeli. Obviously, you have Ron Palace as well. But to me, as soon as Pine hit the portal, the question became, okay, is Tyler Buckner healthy? And if he is, is he going to start over Angeli, who as soon as Buckner was injured on September 10th, Angeli served as Notre Dame's backup all season long. So Mm -hmm. in essence, he's taking some really important snaps and practice. And I don't think the coaching staff would have had hesitation putting him out there. But as soon as you eliminate Pine from the discussion and you say, okay, Buckner's healthy, it's starting to make more and more sense as every day goes for me to start Buckner, see what you have in him, give him another game. He retains his red shirt, obviously, because this will only be his third game of the season. Mm -hmm. So you really have nothing to lose if he's fully healthy to put him out there on the field. Does uh, does Angeli get any snaps at all if the game is say you know still within seventeen points at you know like in the I fourth think, quarter? I, I think so. There, I mean, how many times have we seen the Notre Dame fan base clamor in those situations That's to true. get him in? You, you probably <laughs> couldn't have done it against Syracuse. You couldn't have done it against Boston College. But Tommy Reese openly told the media, "Hey, we weren't throwing in that fourth quarter anyway." So. Right. If you want to put him out there to hand the ball off, then that's that. <laughs> but absolutely, I think bowl games, as soon as you have retained that red shirt, and Steve Angeli has, absolutely put him out there if you feel like the game is comfortably in hand. And I think there's a situation where, you know, Tyler Buckner is such a wild card when it comes to injuries and all these other things that maybe we see Angeli when the game is a little closer. I mean, I, I still wouldn't think it was a bad idea to start Angeli, like I said, because he's had all these practice reps that Buckner has not had all fall, and use Tyler Buckner in sort of a 2021 situation with exactly what you did with Jack Cohn when he would start these games and the Notre Dame offense would stall. And I guarantee you it would stall with Steve Angeli. I'm not saying he's some sort of savant or savior for this offense, but if it does stall, put Buckner in. You saw what he could do as a little bit of a spark plug in 2021, and that would also limit his amount of reps out there if you are at least a little bit worried that he might re-injure that shoulder. Are, uh, are Tyler Buckner and, uh, and Steve Angeli kind of auditioning for their jobs? Uh, it, it, it feels weird because Marcus Freeman said yesterday that they are looking for a transfer, and he didn't have to say that. I think everybody right. that follows this program, covers this program, knows that's the direction Notre Dame was going to go in to look to the portal because, I mean – you check the portal. You check on3.com. There are a lot of arms going in the portal. There's already a lot in there. There's going to be more in the next couple of weeks. So the options are there. Notre Dame didn't take one last year. The coaching staff came under heavy fire for that. Tommy Reese, Marcus Freeman answered questions all fall about why they did not take a transfer. So I think to get back to your question, Buckner and Angeli might not be auditioning for the starting job as much as just sort of 
putting it in the mind of the coaching staff and everyone around this program who might be more of a threat to compete with that transfer that comes in because I am fully expecting somebody to come in that was not on this roster this year. So who sort of has the upper hand there? You would think Buckner because he's a year older. He's played a lot more than Steve Angeli has at this level. But, I mean, bowl season's weird, man. You could see Steve Angeli out of nowhere win the Gator Bowl MVP, and everyone's going to be talking about him all offseason. Go back to the blue-gold game in the spring. Everybody was talking about Steve Angeli. I wouldn't be surprised if somehow, some way, he inserts himself into this game, throws a couple touchdown passes, and throughout January, February, leading into spring ball in March, people are going, okay, Steve Angeli, could, could he do this thing in 2023? Tyler Horka from uh, from Blue and Gold Illustrated at blueandgold.com, uh, joining me on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Uh, was it just the meeting that that Drew Pine had with Marcus Freeman? Is that what uh, what kind of convinced him to to hit the transfer portal, or did he see the writing on the wall? I think it was uh, a combination of things. Um, we were told at blueandgold.com that maybe his rep distribution in terms of how many first-string snaps he was taking in these first couple of practices post-USC was not to his liking, considering that he started the last 10 games. But, I mean, Tyler Buckner is healthy. You heard Marcus Freeman mm-hmm. say it Sunday. He's full go. He did win the off-season quarterback competition. So Pine had to suspect when Buckner got healthy, he was going to kind of slide back into that number one role and then the conversation happens that you alluded to, and, th- and that had to be the de- deciding factor, the determining factor in that Marcus Freeman flat out told him, hey, we're looking at a transfer. Tyler Buckner's healthy. There's a chance that you're number three in this pecking order fighting with Steve Angeli for 13 reps going into the 2023 season. And you're down there with Kenny Minchie, who's coming in mm-hmm. in the class of 2023, and I don't blame Pine, and that's why Freeman says he's a, he didn't blame Pine, that he probably looked at it and said, hey, I'm 8-2. I threw 22 touchdowns and six interceptions, and it didn't always look pretty at time. We've written that at blueandgold.com. This is the number 74 total offense in the country and the number 106 passing offense in the country at less than 200 yards per game. That falls on a signal caller, caller the quarterback, and Notre Dame probably wants to go a different direction, and that ultimately means Pine had to go a different direction as well. Who, you know, if they're, if they're looking at a transfer portal quarterback, who fits the bill for Notre Dame? I, I really like Hudson Card, honestly, from Texas, and his, his involvement down there in Austin was a little limited. Last year he lost a job to Casey Thompson, who ultimately ends up going to Nebraska. So anytime you lose a quarterback competition to a guy who also leaves, probably not a good thing. Lost this year's quarterback competition to Quinn Ewers, but that's a former number one quarterback in the country, recruiting-wise. That was bound to happen. Everyone thought it was going to happen. I just think he could run a Tommy Reese system pretty well, spread it out, run in the spread, use a mobile quarterback, not necessarily sitting back there and dissecting defenses in the pocket like you kind of asked Drew Pine to do because he's a little limited and, you know, as a runner, Drew Pine is, but Hudson Card's a little more athletic, and if he stays healthy, he's pretty good. Now, if they don't get Hudson Card, I really like Devin Leary from NC State as well, but you're introducing another guy who's had 
a vast injury history and given the guy that you have on the roster right now, if you don't get a transfer quarterback, Tyler Buckner has even more of a vast injury history. That's sort of complicating matters and that can blow up in your face. But when Devin Leary is healthy, man, that, that guy has an awesome arm. I think he threw for 30 touchdown passes and less than 10 interceptions a couple seasons ago. So he's proven at this level. That was, that was over the course of a 12 game season. Hudson Card has not done that. Devin Leary has, but I think those would be the top two options if you're Notre Dame. Of course, uh, Drew Pine getting some company in the transfer portal today. Jaden Bellamy, the cornerback, the, uh, part of the 2022 class, uh, announcing that he's going into the transfer portal today. Uh, what do you know about that? Yeah, and I'll add another one, Osita Ekwanu, probably right when you were getting on here at 5 probably. p.m. <laughs> Eastern. Uh, yeah, the defensive lineman graduate transfer also entered so that's two today three with pine uh look this is going to happen and i think you're going to see plenty more of these throughout the next couple of weeks from a notre dame perspective just because it's the nature of the beast right now and marcus freeman said it yesterday and i thought it was pretty telling what freeman said when he basically said the conversation that he had with drew pine that we talked about a little bit earlier just now He's had that conversation with plenty of other position players. I guarantee you Jaden Bellamy was one of those. Osita Ekwanu was probably one of those where he's looking to enhance this roster. That's the word he used. And when you do that, you're bringing in guys from the transfer portal. You're recruiting at a really high level. This is a top five recruiting class. You have to remember that. So some of these fringe players like Jaden Bellamy, who came in the recruiting cycle last year, and did not even play a, a game this year. He didn't appear in one single game. Right. When you're that far down the depth chart and you're introducing new talent, you might get swallowed up by the guys who are just coming in, pushing you even further down that depth chart. And you got to look elsewhere if you're going to play. Jaden Bellamy was one of those guys. Obviously, Isidio Guano, even Drew Pine. You're going to see a whole lot more of this just because it's the nature of the beast in 2022. So let's go with college football playoff talk uh, a little bit in, in, of, about expansion coming up in a second but uh did they get did they get the top four right they did I, I just i don't see how you could put a two loss alabama in there who did not make the conference championship game mm-hmm. and obviously you know recency bias plays in effect in some of this because look at USC, I mean, they were on top of the world when they beat Notre Dame a couple weeks ago, but you get crushed in your conference championship game, and that's the last thing the committee remembers. You fall way outside of that bubble. That's what they did. And I know Alabama has two losses and ended up right on the cusp, but they didn't play this past weekend, and the last thing they did was kill Auburn. So that's why they ended up right there on the fringe. But when it came down to it, I mean, TCU – did everything you asked all season. You go through the regular season 12-1. and one. You couldn't keep them out, and, and especially the way that they battled back against Kansas State. I think that also played a factor. Kansas State was on the verge of running away in that game. I think a lot of people in Fort Worth would have been sleeping not so easily Saturday night had they lost by double digits to Kansas State. But ultimately, they, they forced overtime. Max Duggan might win the Heisman still, so you have that going for you. I, I think they got all four of those teams right. All right. So, expansion. Got to wait, you know, all through next year even as well. Got to wait until 2024 mm-hmm. for it. Uh, easier or tougher for Notre Dame to make a top four and get a bye? 
Well, I think that they said Notre Dame cannot get a bye uh, any way you slice it up because they okay. there's that conference championship game thing again that yeah. uh, has kept Notre Dame out of it a few times because of that data point. But, yeah, the, the top four buys would be the top four conference champions. So that would – this weekend through – a wrench into that. I mean, Kansas State would be getting a bye if this format was in place this year, and Utah would be getting a bye. Those are two teams that have three losses, I think. So it's a unique system. I think people are going – the more times that happens, the more times you get a three-loss team getting a bye over um, – is there a one-loss team that didn't make it? Maybe not, but like Alabama not getting a bye and Kansas State getting a bye. I, I think mm-hmm. you're going to have a lot of people – crying foul there i'll say this too nick saban sure sure was campaigning pretty hard for uh <laughs> <laughs> that was awkward <laughs> holy that was cow awkward. What, did i count that correctly was it was it three halftime i know i saw him on two but was it yeah i saw him on the uh big 10 yeah and and i know he was on the sec look, one right right so yeah there might have been a third because i was watching sports talk this morning yeah they said he was bouncing around like a pinball to all these different things, which was, I mean, Nick should know better than anybody that this was not his year for a playoff because there have been, there have been instances where you have a two loss team. Like, I think it was 2017 Ohio state and they get in over Ohio state. So how can you be on the other side of the coin and be arguing what you were arguing against that year? Come on, Nick. Right. (laughs) I was just like, "Oh my God, he he's campaigning harder <laughs> than than some politicians were just campaigning for the primary." I was like, yeah, "Like, yeah. And, and and just to, ugh, I was just like, "No, stop, Nick, stop! It's it's not. This isn't your year, man. Just stop." Exactly. So, I felt the same way. Yeah, I was, and I and I I am uh, respectful of Nick Saban yeah. as opposed to other people who they just want to hate. I'm actually respectful of him, and yeah. when I saw him doing that, I was like, oh, come on, man. I was like the Jonah Hill gif where he's like doing that nah, cut it out thing, like stop, stop, yeah, with his yeah. hand like right by his neck. He's like, nah, <laughs> yeah. not this. <laughs> no, not this. Not now. Not now, Nick. <laughs> but, yeah, I was, I was exactly. just like, I mean, yeah, he, he's like a vampire in that you have to cut the head off, you know, if, uh, yeah. if, if you're actually going to get him out of the picture. But it's just like. You know, like I res- like he's still one of the top four coaches ever in college football. Like mm-hmm. he changed the game and whatnot. And to see him just getting down on his knees and just begging, pretty, pretty, please, to the uh, to the committee, I was just like, oh, Nick, no, no. no go to, go to the Cotton Bowl, beat Kansas State by thirty, get your number one recruiting class, and try it again <laughs> next year. Go get that. Go get that paycheck. It, it's a good paycheck, exactly. still, man. It's a good paycheck. So, um, let's see. College football plan. I got the expansion, got the top four, got that in there. Oh, yeah. TV deal coming up for college football playoff, mm-hmm. of course. You know, uh, that's why they're doing this whole expansion, to be perfectly honest. Uh, you know, although some would say for the good of college football. <laughs> uh, how, <laughs> how much money could ESPN possibly throw at the playoff committee? Uh, I'm not sure a lot. I mean, we saw this, this past, uh, 
the summer, right? When 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 everyone was talking about what the Pac-12 would be getting mm-hmm. or the uh, the Big Ten with those Pac-12 schools coming over and the SEC money is laid out and, and even Notre Dame is going to be making a whole lot more. I mean, I'm it, it, here's the thing with with these TV contracts. I'm surprised every time I see a figure, but then I back away from it for two seconds and I'm like, wait, I'm not that surprised. It's it's like <laughs> of course it's that contracts. high. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah, it's like what Justin Verlander just got to go to the Mets or yeah. what Cristiano Ronaldo's getting to go to the, a team that I still don't know how to pronounce in Saudi Arabia or whatever it was. <laughs> right. Every time you look at these things, the numbers <laughs> just go up, right? So, like, I, I wish I could give you a figure, but I don't even know because I'd probably lowball it and be like, ah, I was terribly wrong. It's just, it's crazy. And But, I mean, you look at, the passion and the TV ratings that come with college football and all these other things. And that's why it's not surprising to me because I'm like, there's so many people that care about this and people are saying, ah, they're just doing it for the money. Well, of course they are. If you can make that much money off of this thing, then you do it. Right. right. I mean, I, you met, you mentioned the, they're doing it for the good of college football. It kind of goes hand in hand because you're going to have 12 teams that have a chance to make a, to, to win a national championship as opposed to four. So that's cool, even though you're probably still only going to have two or three that could realistically win it, like mm-hmm. this year. I don't think anybody thinks TCU is going to win the thing, but uh, it's, 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 it's cool, it's crazy, it's all those other things when you, when you look at this. And there's going to be some people that hate on it, but, I mean, I think it's awesome just to kind of see how this sport keeps evolving because it was my favorite sport growing up, college football, and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe it's lost some of its luster, but clearly not if we're talking oh, yeah. about a, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars figures that we can't even put a finger on. I mean, I, I don't think college football thinks that it's lost any luster. I mean, they're they're looking mm-hmm. at maybe doing some Sunday times here at some point in the near future. Yeah. So they they think they can hang with the NFL. Okay, right. all right, go for it, guys. Uh, just just not with the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Exactly. Found out. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um. Is there is there enough money from anybody else, you know, from uh, from Fox, from CBS, from NBC? Is there any any other chance that another player could enter the game here? I've wondered about that, but like, take this past Saturday for example, when I'm watching these conference championship games, mm-hmm. I just think that there's love it or hate it there's a level of production. There's a production value that ESPN puts on yeah. college football that I just don't think is matched. Like how many people have you had complain to you on Twitter or wherever else you're discussing Notre Dame football <laughs> that NBC is just not cutting it as a coverage entity for Notre Dame football. I mean, I mean there's plenty of people that would like to see, now I don't know if it's, ESPN, but I think there's people that would like to see Notre Dame be on Fox or, or another platform, yeah. or maybe even try ABC or something like that. So when I'm watching it, and, and tons of people hate on College Game Day, but I think the production value is great oh, yeah. there. Maybe you don't like the, the personalities, but what they do, uh, nobody else does it like that. Like big news kickoff, that's cool, but it's yeah. not ESPN College Game Day, right? right. So to answer to answer your question. No, I think ABC and ESPN just kind of 
has the monopoly on this thing. And that's been built up over so many years, right? It's yeah. just kind of hard to catch up to them at this point. Yeah. I, I, and still, you know, even, you know, there's there's a new Pac-12 deal coming down the, down the pipeline at some point. You know, there's going to be more money going towards Notre Dame as well from NBC, you know, or mm-hmm. anybody else, quite honestly. Um, good Lord, like, I would hope some of that money would be reinvested into some quality announcers for Notre Dame, but not holding my breath, um, you know, so, but yeah, I, I, I just kind of wonder, yeah, you're right. ESPN just produces the hell out of these games and yes. it, it's just hard to, it's, it's hard to picture them anywhere else. I totally agree. And you make a good point with Pac-12 deal coming up. We, I mentioned the big 10, and Fox is really going to have to break out like 18 new pocketbooks to pay for that deal right. and all of these other things. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think the Foxes and uh, NBCs of the world with Notre Dame obviously are so caught up in just trying to stay above water with these rising deals of the, the conferences that they're paying for that there's no way they're going to be like, hey, we want – this huge share of the college football playoff. Right. I think even with the restructuring in, in a couple of years, ESPN somehow finds a way to say, Hey, this is still, this is ours. Yeah. Like we have our stamp on this and we are going to broadcast these games. All I know is that, um, we were spoiled with Mike Tirico in the booth, weren't we? Yeah. <laughs> like we had no the, idea uh, how spoiled we were until it's gone. Yes. Oh. I'm a Cowboys fan, and I'm from Dallas. So mm-hmm. I was watching the game last night, and I was just like, man, that that is a soothing Sunday night football voice right now. I guarantee oh, yeah. you Notre Dame fans are watching this saying, man, remember when? Yeah, remember right? when Mike Tirico called Notre Dame games? <laughs> right. Tyler Horka yep. from uh, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Uh, you've got a couple of uh, features uh, up there right now. I caught them uh, last week about uh, you know the year anniversaries that uh, mm-hmm. that happened last week. Tell me about those and anything else you got up at uh, blueandgold.com. Yeah, so I guess it would have been a week ago tomorrow when I put up the feature on remembering Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame exactly (laughs) one year to the day. Uh That was a pretty good one for the folks who are totally over that, which our numbers and readership would say otherwise, because a lot of people, if you put Brian Kelly in a headline are still reading it. Mm -hmm. But if you are totally past that, obviously Marcus Freeman was hired as Notre Dame's head coach officially just a few days later. Mm -hmm. I did a top five moments from Marcus Freeman's first 365 days at Notre, as the Notre Dame head coach. I think that one's a little more easy on the eyes and may bring a few more smiles than the Brian Kelly one. But uh, never a dull moment covering Notre Dame football. You get both sides, the good and the bad. So it's been uh, quite a year. And those are up there on blueandgold.com, as well as the transfer portal stuff. I think we're going to cover what Notre Dame has going on there, in and out, and all those other things better than anybody else in the market. So definitely go to blueandgold.com if you're trying to Stay up to date on what Notre Dame's roster is going to look like in 2023 because I guarantee you it's going to look a whole lot different than it did in 2022. <laughs> right. Uh, you had the early lines for the Gator Bowl game, too. Four and a half, that, that about right? Yeah. yeah um, I mean, 
South Carolina, if you if you look at it defensively, not very good, mm-hmm. and their weakness there is what Notre Dame's strength is. So no matter who's playing quarterback for Notre Dame, what are they going to try to do? Run the ball, right? And South Carolina ranks uh, it was outside the top 100 in the FBS in rushing defense, and obviously when Notre Dame is really clicking offensively, it's running the ball for 200 plus yards a game. So I think that's where it's going to be decided, and that's probably why Notre Dame's the early favorite. All right. Of course, we'll be talking to you on uh, Game Day Sports Beat uh, right before the Gator Bowl, too. So you'll be down there live from yes, uh, live from Jacksonville. Tyler Horka from Blue and Gold Illustrated at blueandgold.com. A, uh, a thousand thanks to you for, uh, for making the time today. Yeah, I appreciate you. Thank you. Not a problem. That is, uh, that is Tyler Horka right there. Uh, coming up. Sports update on the way. We'll talk some hot stove. The world's worst World Cup update still to come. One one more time. Just one more time. You got to sit through it, okay? That's why it's the worst. That's all to come. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This segment of Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat brought to you by Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt Don't Shop, where new beginnings have happy endings. Also by Barnaby's Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you. Their newest location on Lincoln Way in the Twin Branch area, now open for carryouts. Barnaby's, the family in Monday Night Football tonight. 7.30, the, uh, the coverage starts between uh, New Orleans and Tampa Bay. Um, I've got a pick that is coming up in uh, in the sports betting segment coming up uh, towards the end of the program today. Um, let's do it. Let's do this for the for the final t- the absolute final time that uh, well, or at least the final time with me anyway that the World Cup will probably even be mentioned on this on this show. So let's just do it. Although it's a fancy enough segment that it gets its own music. (laughs) Knockout round underway. Netherlands beat the U.S. This one was never really close. Kind of had that feeling anyway. You know, it's Team USA. They're just young. They're young. They're inexperienced. They put up a good showing. But uh, the Dutch scored two first half goals. Added a third in the second half. It's just youth and inexperience for the for Team USA. That's all it is. Give it four years. They'll be fine. But uh, Team USA now home. Argentina beating Australia 2-1 over the weekend. Thousandth career match for uh, Lionel Messi. Argentina meeting the Netherlands on Friday, 2 o'clock. That game on Fox. France beating Poland 3-1. to one. Uh, Let's see. Robert Lewandowski, he was uh, able to put in a, a late consolation goal for Poland, but uh, France just dominated that match. Team England, a, a ruthless performance against Senegal as well. 3-0, the, uh, the score of that match. Jeez. Today, Japan and Croatia played the one. Regulation time. 
Dezen Miata, or Miata, uh, gave uh, Japan the uh, the lead just before halftime. Croatia hitting a, a, a just an unbelievable header actually from uh, Ivan Perisic on uh, on the 55th minute. Couldn't decide it in uh, in 90 minutes, nor in extra time. So they went penalty kicks, and uh, and that's. Uh, that's where Croatia was able to win. And then uh, Brazil not really having any sort of problems against South Korea today. They won uh, their match 4-1. to one. So Brazil's pretty good if you know nothing about international soccer. Brazil, you know, Brazil's been pretty good for a long time now. Anyway, that's the... Uh, the last, probably, <laughs> world's worst World Cup update. Um, but yeah, Brazil. Like, like if you're in the sports betting but you know nothing about soccer, Brazil's not a terrible bet to make. I'm just saying. As far as uh, teams that haven't been very good, and this you know stretches across all sports, really, but uh, one that certainly made a... Ton of headlines over the weekend. Colorado, Colorado University of Colorado football, to be uh, to be precise. They introduced uh, Deion Sanders as their uh, as their new head football coach, and honestly, I, I I'm pretty sure that this is the most that anybody has talked about Colorado about Colorado football anyway in. Uh, yeah, well, like a, like twelve years. It's been a while, been a while. But Dion, you know, he spent uh, he spent three seasons at, at Jackson State, twenty seven and five in three seasons. And I remember when he when he took that job down at Jackson State too. I mean, first of all, the fact that you know here here's a Hall of Fame football player here here's a. You know, here's a guy who was great in college, who was great for multiple teams in the NFL, won world championships in the NFL, uh, generally regarded as one of the greatest players in the history of the league, in the history of the sport even. And he had to go down to the FCS to, uh, to get his start. Odd. Just a little bit odd. But he did things his way at Jackson State. Like I said, 27-5. and five. That is pretty solid. Jackson State, just, like even for FCS, low man on the totem pole. Low man on the totem pole. Uh, Sanders says he's going to coach the, uh, the unbeaten Tigers in the Celebration Bowl, which is the championship for historically black college football programs. Uh, that is coming up on December the 17th. But he's also juggling new duties with with the Buffaloes. Getting the staff assembled, getting scouts together, getting transfers in. There's already guys. There's, there's already guys signing up. Already got just... The line is forming to get to Boulder, Colorado. And it's not because the scenery is nice. That may have been... That may have been the best college football coaching hire 
in the last 10 years, I would say. Deion Sanders to Colorado. That's got to be it as far as FBS schools go. You know, maybe, maybe you make the argument for him getting the job at Jackson State even as, as one of the best hiring decisions in college football. But it's between those two, I think. And people are still poo-pooing it. People are still poo-pooing it. Like I, I saw it today on TV. People are still poo-pooing the guy. A guy who's forgotten more football than a lot of guys in you know chairs that sit way too high could even begin to remember. That is like like with how upfront and how you know it, you know how out in the open it was. Quite honestly. The success that he had at Jackson State, that's why people are excited about about him taking over at Colorado. Colorado doesn't even know how they're going to pay his contract. <laughs> they, they even said, He's, we have no idea how we're going to pay that. We'll figure that out later. Uh, the uh, the contract, a, uh, a person with knowledge of said contract telling the AP that it's worth $29.5 million plus incentives over five years, beginning at $5.5 million in the first year. Yearly incentives include $150,000 for six wins, $100,000 for each win after six, $150,000 for a bowl berth, $200,000 for a New Year's Six Bowl invitation. I got a feeling he's he's going to be hitting those incentives like in the next, maybe not this season, but the season after. I like I'm really I'm all in with Deion Sanders finally getting a chance to coach an FBS school. Honestly, I thought it would have been I thought uh, Florida State would have been pulling the trigger. Uh, but they brought in Mike Norvell a couple of years ago, and things people have figured out, uh, figured it out at Florida State. They figured out, you know, Mike Norvell, pretty good coach. The success is starting to come at Florida State, so you know, you kind of you kind of figured, okay, so Dion's not going to Florida State anytime soon, at least. So, but I mean, like. Power Five Conference, granted, Pac-12, you know, USC, UCLA leaving, but still, Power Five Conference, and one of the most dynamic characters in all of football getting charged with turning the program around. At this point, what do they got to lose? They got nothing to lose. They, like, when was the last time that you watched a Colorado football? Like, this is a this is a team. This is a school that won a national championship. In case you forget, you know, former national champion, and I'll be honest for for like a second the other day, I was like, 
Oh yeah, Colorado plays in Boulder. Like that used to be just like common knowledge. That's how good Colorado used to be. I am all in. Give me, give me, give me the giant punch bowl filled with popcorn right now. Give me the big screen TV. Actually, mine's coming on Sunday. <laughs> Wife and I bought a giant 80, 80, 80 or 85, I forget which. At that point, you know, it, it it's all the same size, really, at that point. Um, but give me the giant punch bowl filled with popcorn. Give me the Colorado Buffaloes playing anybody. I don't care. First game out. Mid-season game, maybe even, against, oh, I don't know, like like a Washington. Gimme. Gimme, 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 gimme. Making the promise, too. We're going to win. We're just, and I know every coach says that. But he can back it up. Again, the fact that the, the fact that he's not a that he's just now becoming an FBS coach is just kind of mind blowing, especially when you consider that you know, Trent Dilfer took the UAB job with no head coaching experience in any college or the pros or any sort of assist you know any sort of su- substantial assistant experience or any of that. Like he he's. He's been an analyst most of that time. I don't get like, man, all in. I, I, I can't, I can't wait for next college football season. I cannot wait. I also can't wait for next baseball season, quite honestly, because, uh, <laughs> if you're watching on the, tr- on the Twitch stream, you see what uh, what what team I am a fan of. Get to the uh, all the doings with the hot stove today, and uh, any other you know substantial news from the uh, from the winter meetings, which got underway today uh, in uh, in Major League Baseball. So that is coming up. Also, some sports betting. Um, finished up last week. Basically, how I started. Just kind of right there in the middle. Mediocre week last week. We'll uh, we'll go through that. Get you some uh, some picks for tonight. All to come still on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Sports Radio nine sixty WSBT. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Sports Radio nine sixty WSBT. The uh, the crime dog Fred McRib getting elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame yesterday. The uh, the newest member he's uh, he was a unanimous choice among the sixteen members of the inaugural Contemporary Baseball Era Committee. Considered a ballot of eight candidates uh, whose primary contributions to the game took place after nineteen eighty. Player needed a seventy-five percent of the vote to be elected. Uh, McGriff uh, starred for six different clubs, 
19-year career, ended in 2004, hit 493 home runs, 2,493 hits, uh, finished in the top 10 of MVP balloting in six different seasons, including each season from 89 to 93. Of course, also encouraged us to uh, to buy the Tommy Mansky better defense or whatever that was, <laughs> those, those baseball instructional videos. <laughs> There's a really there's a really funny article about uh, how those commercials came to be. Really, really, just just search for it. Just search, you know, Fred McGriff, Tommy Mansky, and it and shows up in Google. It's really funny though. I forget who wrote it, but it's. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. That's a line. That's a line from it. Who said it? Who do you think? Come on. So, but uh, but yeah, the crime dog getting in. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling, uh, all getting denied. Rafael Palmero getting denied. Clemens getting denied again. Dale Murphy getting denied. Don Mattingly getting denied. I I don't know. I don't know what Dale Murphy or Don Mattingly have to do in order to uh, to get into the Hall of Fame, but for God's sakes, man, can can that just happen? Can that just happen already? Like I thought, those guys were well liked in baseball. Of course, we all know why you know why baseball is keeping Bonds and and Schilling and Clemens and all them out. So. We know why. I don't know. I don't. I don't know why they're why that's the hill they're choosing to die on. But you know, like there's some sort of morality beacon or something. It's baseball. It's a game that uh, <laughs> that basically the the entire point of the game is to cheat. Just is. It really is. Like if 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 a team figures out that a pitcher is signaling his pitch that he's tipping his pitches. If one guy figures that out on a team and goes on and tells everybody else on his team, that's cheating. That's fine though. It's fine. It's fine. Hot stove got underway for me under uh, like bittersweet terms. Uh, actually, before the meeting started today, uh, Friday was uh, was kind of a rough evening for me. <laughs> kind of, kind of a rough evening. Jacob Degrom. Uh, agreeing to terms with the Texas Rangers on a five-year, $185 million contract. Apparently, the Mets were offering up three years for $120 million, which, if you do the math, is more per year than what he's getting from Texas. But, um, yeah, it didn't even give the Mets a, uh, an opportunity to present a final offer, which actually kind of softened the blow a little bit as far as, man, how are the Mets going to replace him? Yeah. Oh, you know, it's like, 
Oh. Didn't even give the team that you spent your entire career with a, a, a chance to make a comeback offer. Huh. Obviously, he no longer wanted to play in New York, and that's fine. Good luck, Jake. Hopefully the $185 million that you're going to be making on this deal, you know, it, it isn't like a million dollars an inning over those over those five years. Hopefully not. We could be at that point, though. Who knows? Who knows? But, it was, it was, like, like, seriously, that kind of thinking, the, the, the fact that the Mets made the offer to him, but he wanted something longer. And his injury history over the last couple of seasons would say, you're asking for way too much. But of course, you know, agents are like <laughs> asking for the moon, of course. It's what they do. It's what they're paid to do. So yeah, I'm, I'm like that really kind of softened the blow. The, when, when, I, when I read that for the first time, that he didn't give the Mets a chance to come back with a uh, with a follow up offer to uh, to the to the offer from Texas that he wound up signing. I was like, all right, let him go. Fine, you don't want to be here. Cool. Now, don't get me wrong. That's some really good pitching that's going out the door. That's that that's a whole lot of good pitching that that just left town. There's more pitching out there. And oh, did they go out and get it. <laughs> Three-time Cy Young Award winner Justin Verlander agreeing to a two-year, $86 million deal today. Deal includes a vesting third-year option. That option for 2025 is for $35 million. Verlander turns 40 in February. He returned from Tommy John surgery, of course, to lead the, the Astros to their second World Series championship. Had the lowest ERA in the majors. Unanimous winner of his third Cy Young award. Becoming the first player to earn the prize after not pitching the previous season. Like, seriously, Justin Verlander last year? Last year may have been his best season. 18-4, and four, 175 ERA, 185 strikeouts and 28 starts. Made his ninth All-Star team. Opted out of the uh, of the twenty-five million he was going to get from Houston in favor of forty-three. I can't say that I blame him there either. Yeah, Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer in the same in the same rotation, and there's talk that the Mets may go and get Carlos Rodon as well. Like they they may be just backing up the Brinks truck to any pitcher with a name this offseason. And they're listening. They're li- like Uncle Stevie's got some money. Like it, it's it's so weird growing up. These are the, these are the kind of things that the Yankees used to do. All right? Of course there's an in, inferiority uh complex with the Mets as it pertains to the Yankees. I understand that. I am 
in perfect understanding of that. Mets fans would see the back pages. They would see that George Steinbrenner had signed some really good to Hall of Fame caliber players. You know, somewhere in that range, especially from like the late 90s, you know, mid to late 90s to, uh, you know, the, what, mid to late 2000s, you know, and even before that, you know, all through the 70s. Signing somebody who fit that that bill really well. And they just wanted that. And now the the whole th- <laughs> the whole New York baseball puzzle as far as hierarchy goes like it just flipped. Like Mets fan, we we totally still consider the Yankees big brother and we'll always try and, you know, impress them and whatnot. But uh like my actual big brother was like, I wish, I wish, I wish the uh, the Steinbrenner family, you know, the old man's kid, George's kids, I wish they would run the Yankees like, well, like the old man used to. That was uttered a few times last season. I'm not gonna lie, I'm pretty proud of that. I don't know why I'm proud of that, but I I, I wear that as like a badge of honor. It, it, it's weird, I know, I know. But yeah, that was uh, that was that was the first really big signing on the day. Then, then you had the Phillies stocking up on defense and also power and also speed. Eleven years, three hundred million dollars to Trey Turner, uh, recently of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, Played with the you know when he was with the Nationals, played with Bryce Harper. I mean, add my my God, man! <laughs> like the NL East is uh, at the very least going to be fun, and also the thing that winds up killing me probably. <laughs> like I'm not gonna like that. That division is just going to kill me. 312 batting average last year. Uh, actually, over the past two seasons, 312 batting average is second in Major League Baseball. 389 hits, that's first. Stolen bases with 59, that is fourth. 73 doubles, tied for seventh. Runs, 208, tied for eighth. I'm really kind of hoping, actually, that the. That just because, like. Like, I know that they've got Lindor, and I know that they paid Lindor a whole hell of a lot of money. But part of me was kind of holding down hope that they would get Trey, that the Mets would get Trey Turner. No. No, 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 no. But I mean, like, you got Turner in there. Who who can bop? You got Harper in that same lineup. You got Kyle Schwarber in that lineup. You got JT Real Muto in that lineup. You've got Reese Hoskins in that lineup. Nick Castellanos in that lineup. I think still. It's the 10th $300 million plus contract in baseball history. Full no trade clause, no deferred money. 
course, he joins the the Mets, Francisco Lindor, the Padres, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., and the Rangers, Corey Seager, as the fourth shortstop to reach that threshold. So it's been a little slow going as far as the hot stove went, but it it really heated up today (laughs) with Justin Verlander and Trey Turner. Um, Despite the slow start to the winter, uh, teams now have lavished more than $1 billion on free agents, and we still haven't even gotten we still haven't even gotten signings for Aaron Judge, Carlos Correa, Xander Bogarts, uh, Carlos Rodon, Brandon Nimmo, Dansby, Swan, uh, Dansby Swanson. They're all still waiting to sign deals. They're all, they're all still waiting to basically get that bag. Those are all guys that are they're going to be getting bags from somewhere. Whew. And this and this is usually around the time that it happens, you know, the winter meetings. You've got owners, you've got GMs, they're all together in one spot. What do you think they're talking about? Agents are there. What do you think they're all talking about? They're not they're not just Saying, you know, they're, they're not just having these meetings, you know, oh, let's go someplace warm. I mean, they've held those meetings in Minneapolis, for God's sakes, in November. But, yeah, look, I mean, man. But, yeah, I mentioned, you know, like, we haven't even gotten to Aaron Judge, who's expected to, like, his contract is, is expected to just blow everybody's, everybody else's out of the water. And with good reason. I mean, he is probably the best everyday player in baseball right now. Can hit, can throw, can field. And he does it all at like a superhuman level. Yeah, he, that, that dude's getting paid. That dude's going to get paid too. So you would think, you know, a couple of East Coast teams stealing the thunder of uh, stealing the, uh, the the thunder, uh, you know, of of the Yankees. You you would think, you know, maybe the Yankees, maybe maybe they make the maybe they make the most amount of money or the the, the most amount of noise today. You know, maybe they they get. Aaron Judge. Maybe they sign him to that big deal finally. They're the favorites. and They're considered the favorites, although apparently San Francisco made one hell of an offer what, last, last week or the week before when he was out there. Visiting family, as it were. Wink! But yeah, the Yankees are, you know, so... Heck, maybe maybe today would be the day. You know, just get it out of the way. You know, first day of of the winter meetings. Yankees go out and sign Aaron Judge to the biggest contract that anybody has ever seen. And they did wind up making an announcement today. Yankees did make an announcement. And general manager Brian Cashman signed for another four-year contract with the team. (laughs) 
I never thought that I would be saying this, but the Yankees... Like, you're doing it wrong! You're off-season baseballing wrong! The guy that you just gave a four-year contract to has been one of the biggest... Has been one of the biggest reasons why you're doing it wrong! Anyway, I know it's just Monday. It's just Monday, but that told a lot to me. That told a whole hell of a lot to me. Just where where the Yankees' priorities are. Good God! Like, oh, let's go out and sign the guy who hasn't been able to sign anybody. You know, who can help us win a championship? We had to home grow all this talent. Doing it wrong, Yankees. You're doing it wrong! Back to wrap things up in uh, just a couple. Go through some uh, some bets. Go through my bets from Friday. And uh, give you three more for, uh, for tonight to hopefully pad your wallet. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. Happy anniversary, by the way. Happy 90th anniversary to United Beverage Company of South Bend. For 90. 90 years ago, they were founded. 90 years. A long time. Congrats, guys. Also brought to you by Tim Growl State Farm Insurance. Edward Jones, Midland Engineering Company, Legacy Heating and Air, South Bend Orthopedics, Pet Refuge, Barnaby's, and uh, there we go. So, big thanks to uh, to all of our sponsors. Of course, we uh, we got to wrap up with some uh, some bets real quick. Nine and seven overall last week. Nine and seven. Last Friday night, I was two and two. Took USC straight up against Utah. Although, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one who lost on this bet and yet was still happy because USC lost. <laughs> pretty glad, pretty happy that I don't bet big amounts. I'm just going to say that right now. Uh, Orlando at Cleveland. Uh, I took Orlando plus 10.5, so of course they went out and lost by 11. Of course! So there's the two losses. The two wins. I took uh, Ottawa at the Rangers to go under 6.5 goals. Uh, Rangers lost three to two, but won the under. Hey, and then uh, Team USA versus the Netherlands. I picked the Netherlands straight up. Just had a hunch on that, and uh, it cashed in. So two and two last Friday. My week improved to nine and seven last week, which is right in the middle of mediocrity. So of course, why wouldn't you want to continue the mediocrity in your own betting world? Three bets for you tonight. Of course, the uh, the Monday night football game between New Orleans and Tampa Bay, which, by the way, coverage for that starts from uh, from West One, Westwood One, coming up at uh, seven thirty here on Sports Radio nine sixty WSBT. Tampa Bay's offense had a dream matchup last week against the Browns. Dream matchup, and they went out and put up just seventeen points. And then also lost all-pro right tackle Tristan Wirfs in the process to a knee injury. 
Now Tampa hosting a Saints defense that's getting healthier. Just held the 49ers to 3.3 yards per carry. Just a hair over four and a, four and a half yards per play and 13 points. That Niners offense, especially ever since they got Chris McCaffrey, has been on fire. Teams off a shutout loss have been very profitable historically as well. I'll bet against uh, Alvin Kamara fumbling twice again. I like it. That's just not going to happen. Just not going to happen. Lines come down pretty well, but there's still value on a Saints team that's won seven of the past nine meetings between uh, the two teams straight up. So New Orleans and the points plus three and a half. Milwaukee is at Nor- is at or uh, at Orlando, a nine and a half point favorite. I like Milwaukee, and of course, you damn straight this is a spike bet. It's been a rough stretch for the Magic. They've lost eight straight for their last five have come by at least ten points. Wendell Carter Jr., Jalen Suggs, they're both out. Mo Bamba, he's questionable. Meantime. The Bucks are welcoming back Giannis, Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton after sitting out for rest on Saturday. <laughs> Milwaukee in the points, minus nine and a half there. And then I like Edmonton straight up against Washington at home. Caps are nearing the end of a long trip, likely starting back up uh, Char- Charlie Lindgren. He's not good. Which, of course, means that he's probably going to have like a 45-save shutout and, you know, have that bet completely blow up too. Why not? New Orleans plus three and a half. Milwaukee minus nine and a half. Edmonton straight up. Those are your bets. Darren's back tomorrow. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 